You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihi al-kareem. Amma ba'd. Alhamdulillah, thumma alhamdulillah. It is only the fadal, the karam, the ihsan, the great favor of Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has allowed for this new segment to give birth on Merkaz Sahaba, the voice of Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah. And this particular program, inshallah, is dedicated to every person, every alim, every non-alim, every person involved in khidmat of deen, every person that is not involved in khidmat of deen. Every person, whether young and old, male and female, this particular program encompasses and encapsulates every person because we all are very proud Muslims, alhamdulillah, summa alhamdulillah, and it's only Allah Ta'ala's fadl, his karam, his ihsan that he has blessed us with iman. We are taught a dua, Allahumma thabbitna ala al-iman. Oh Allah, keep us steadfast on iman. When we make this dua, we are saying, Oh Allah, all the prerequisites of our iman, our aqaid, our belief structure, keep us steadfast on this. Tawheed in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Belief in the nubuwat and risalat of all the anbiya and the final nubuwat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Belief in the malaika. Belief in all the books. Belief in the day of judgment. Belief in taqdeer. So, ya Allah, keep us steadfast. Keep us steadfast. And we've always heard the saying, as you live, so will you die. Tamutuna kama That you will die as you live. And you will be resurrected as you died. So, ultimately, we as Muslims, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us a very short time in this dunya. It's very short. And it's only the deception of shaitan that we're living, ah, you know what, I'm still young, I'm only 30 years old. I still got another 35 years old, I'll change after I'm 60. That's the deception of shaitan. Very recently, we've seen a person who we all know very well, and I'm sure it was also announced on this radio station, Sheikh Salama, He's lost his daughter, his family members, in a split second. May Allah grant them Jannatul Firdaus and may Allah accept their Shahada. So life is short. And in order for us to prepare for the Akhirah, it's not only about our Salah, our Zakah, our fasting, our Hajj, because that is for limited periods of time. If you look at our salah, fajr namaz, maybe 15 minutes, zuhr salah, maybe 10 minutes, asr salah, maybe 10 minutes, maghrib salah, 12 minutes, isha salah, 15, 20 minutes. That's it. What are we doing the rest of the time? We engaged in tijara, business, mu'amalat. We are engaged in mu'asharat. We meeting with family, our spouse, our children, uh, our colleagues. So all of that interactions, that plays a very important and perhaps uh, 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 in time-wise, a longer and lengthier period of time than in our actual ibadah. So, how do we go about interacting with family? How do we go about interacting in our businesses? How do we go about interacting with our employers or employees? All of these aspects, our deen has covered. 
And inshallah, summa inshallah, over the next few weeks, we have quite a few qualities to cover, uh, 11 qualities in total that I would like to cover before the beginning and uh, the blessed months of Ramadan Sharif. May Allah allow us to see it. Allahumma barik lana fi Rajab wa Sha'ban wa balikhna Ramadan. O oh Allah, grant us barakah in the month of Rajab and Sha'ban. And O oh Allah, allowed us to see the blessed month of Ramadan. So 11 qualities, we try to cover them before the blessed month of Ramadan Sharif. And in Ramadan, we will discuss something more uh, uh, we will discuss some other aspects of our spirituality and how we can come closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After all, these are the months that we are preparing for Ramadan. So we don't want Ramadan to just hit us like a, a boulder on our heads and, and we're not even prepared for Ramadan. Subhanallah. We want to be prepared and we want to become better Muslims and better believers and we take this from the life of Uswatun Hasana, Rahmatulil Alameen, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So the first quality, inshallah, that we are going to be discussing today is truthfulness. This is a sifat, a quality of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And we take it from the very beautiful majalis and kitab uh, that has been transcribed by our Shaykh Hazrat Mulana Dawood Siddhatsab, Dawood Barakatuhu. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant him a long life with afiyah and may Allah continue to allow us to benefit from Hazrat Mulana. Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the most truthful person. And not only that, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam also exhorted the ummah to always speak the truth. This is really something to think about. We find in his entire life, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam never spoke a lie, not even by way of joke. Even in jokes of Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there was no lie. At times, we play around with a person, tell him something and say that, ah, I'm just pulling your leg. I'm joking with you. But what we're saying is not a fact. And what we are saying is a lie. Many times when we want to call a child, we hit our pockets. Come here, but you, you know, like we're going to uh, give them a sweet or, or, or a chocolate or a toy or something. I've got something for you. And when the child comes, it's nothing. Isn't this docker? Isn't this deception? Hmm? Now, when the child comes, we grab the child, but we haven't given the child anything. So we speak lies and we are teaching the child from a young age that there is no problem if you have to lie to get your way in life. It's fine if you speak lies as long as you just get your way in life. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam never ever spoke a lie, even in extreme circumstances. So this is something to ponder about, something to think about. Hmm? Sometimes we are joking with our friends and, you know, we add a lot of masala to a story. First of all, storytelling is also a problem. Carrying tales, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prohibited us from this. So one is we are carrying a tale, then we add a lot of masala. You know, Hazrat Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain Sardaman Barakato, on a lighter note, Alhamdulillah, I had the honor of traveling with him for many, many years, almost eight, nine years. And we would travel to Durban, and Alhamdulillah, lots and lots of places around the country. So, Mufti Sab, as you know, is Memon. <laughs> so sometimes, some family member of Hazrat Mufti Saab would invite us for meals. And Mufti Saab would always, you know, jokingly, now he's got the aluk with the people, he's got a, a beta kaluf, it's not a formal relationship, you know, it's informal, you can speak openly, tell them, I want memon akni, memon akni, memon biryani. 
So for me, that was a problem. <laughs> because in the Memon Akni, they have a lot of masur. Lot of masur. I think there's more masur than even rice. <laughs> but that is how the dish is prepared. So that is why I'm saying, you know, that one is we telling a story. Then we're adding so much of extra masala in it that is not even needed. I'm not saying now in the Memon Akni or in the Memon Biryani, the Masur is not needed, that the women folk know better how to prepare it and what to prepare and how much to put. But that's just an example now that I'm giving you. Allah put it in my heart. So I just wanted to share that with you. So we must never ever speak lies. Always, even to a small child. And this is the problem in today's times, especially with our own children. Someone will knock on the door. Now, you know, you're just not in the mood. Sometimes you come home, the traffic was a pain, the heat in the car, you're changing gears, so your knees are also paining, your back is paining. Now somebody comes and knocks on the door, and where's your papa? So the child is innocent, comes there, Papa, someone at, hey, just tell them I'm sleeping, tell them I'm not here. So the child will obey, the child will obey, my Papa, and sometimes they'll even say, my Papa said he's not here, <laughs> or my daddy said he's sleeping. How the daddy said he's sleeping when he's sleeping? So sometimes you see, it's silly things like this here, but we get caught in our own web of lies. And we must be very, very careful because as a young child, they are absorbing all of this here. If my daddy can do this here, why can't I do this? And generally, sons particularly, when they are small, the greatest hero is the father. Greatest hero. So everything they want to do like the father or they want to outdo the father. So I have one of my small sons who is studying by Hazrat Muna Dawud Sahib, and he just completed his hips. So he started kitabs this year. He's small, he's 13 years old. So he keeps on asking me, Abi, what age you completed your Alim course? I think I'm going to beat you because I'm going to finish at 18. And it's true, inshallah, he will beat me as far as age is concerned. And Allah will grant him more tarakki and more knowledge. He's with pious ulama, great, great mashayikh. Allah will allow him to take benefit, both of my children. Allah will allow them to take great benefit from our mashayikh and our gabiri. So the point I'm saying here is a child always wants to be like the father or outdo the father in the same footsteps of that child. Now you're telling the child that they just say I'm not here, man. Just say I'm sleeping, you know. I'm not in a mood for it. So if you're not in the mood to see the person, sometimes it's urgent, you can easily go to the door hear what the person says and really if they got some masla sometimes it's urgent if you can you hear them out if not you tell them by seer now is not the time please make an appointment and come and see me no problem isn't that better than now escalating this thing to a whole entire lie and also bad education for our children so Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is reported to have ordered the ummah alaykum bis-sidq make truthfulness incumbent upon you fa'inna sidqa yunji wal-kithba yuhlik for verily speaking the truth will lead to success and speaking lies will always lead to destruction how many lies is a person going to speak Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in one mentions in one hadith sharif that at times a Muslim may be miserly. He may even act cowardly, but a Muslim can never lie. He's not a person who will speak lies. There are so many riwayat 
that Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam has mentioned that if a person speaks the truth and he tries his best to speak the truth, even if harm is going to come to him and he eventually is recorded, then he is eventually recorded amongst the Siddiqeen, the truthful ones. The person who is always trying to connive, trying to avoid the truth, then that person is recorded amongst the liars. Speaking of lies is very, very terrible sin in the sight of Allah Rabbul Isat. So this too, we must teach our children. You know, a child is a child. A child will break something in the house. A child will kick the soccer ball on the window, crack the window. Now, there's two, three of them playing. You ask the child, who did this? Child is a child, they know they're going to get punished, they're going to get hiding, they're going to get this, they're going to get that. Uh, not us, not us. So we have to teach the child that, listen, even if you are going to get into trouble, never ever speak lies. Because this carries us through right till adulthood. Now we are grown-ups. And we do some gerber in our business. And this happens a lot. And then now you're trying to diffuse the problem. And so much of lies is spoken. So, but I never said this. I said like that. I meant like this. I did like that. So ultimately, we must ask ourselves. There is an Allah that is listening. There is an Allah that is watching. There is an Allah that is all-knowing. We might think we'll get away in dunya with one small little lie. We call it a small little lie. But ultimately, at the time of your death, do you want to be written amongst the Siddiqeen or the Kadibin? That's what we have to ask ourselves. You see, on... When was it? Friday night, I think. Mufti Saab and I, we had a little discussion surrounding Palestine and surrounding our brother Shafat Ahmed Khan, Rahmatullah So in that discussion, there were many, many things that we spoke about, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will sometimes test us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will sometimes test us. So we must always be on our guard that Ya Rabb, Ya Allah, keep me under your garment of mercy. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, let me never falter. I must always fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He would always say this. That whichever condition I am, wherever I am, whether I'm in the earth or whether I'm in the skies on an aeroplane, whether I'm in South Africa or I'm on holiday somewhere, my taqwa must always be salamat. It must always be intact. Always, oh, you know, people sometimes they go for Umrah, they go for Hajj. Now, I know we are living in a corrupt society, this corruption that is thriving in South Africa. But I'm just giving you an example. Now you come back and the customs pull you over and they ask you, what you got? No, 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 nothing, nothing, nothing. How much you spend? No, 2,000 rands. So we know the limit is 5,000 rands per person. I'm saying, yes, it's zulam. But a Muslim never speaks a lie, even if it's going to get us into trouble. In fact, you rather make dua. On a lighter note, it's coming to my mind. Say once, he was there by Baytullah. And there was an elderly woman, she was really crying, you know, hands up, sobbing. And so, Hazrat Rahmatullah became very curious now. 
what kind toba this woman must be elderly elderly person you know what kind toba this person must be making you know if i can just get closer i can hear and i can share in the dua and upon coming closer then it was heard ay allah custom walo ko anda kar dijiye taaki mera sare saman nikal jaye so what dua she was making oh allah make the custom people blind so that whatever i bought from makkah madina that too must go through you know sahi salamat sahi salamat so you know you rather make dua that ya allah let them not stop me otherwise then i'm in trouble i'm going to have to pay duties and all of these things rather than telling a lie allah pak always give us a safe route when we are coming to customs you know it's ridiculous 5000 rands you only allowed to buy after that they tax you and all of these things zulm absolute zulm but it doesn't give us the right to tell lies it doesn't give us the right to tell lies hmm? there are so many riwayat that nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam has mentioned that if a person speaks the truth and he tries his best to speak the truth even if harm is going to come to him then he eventually is written amongst the siddiqeen speaking of lies is very very terrible in the sight of allah rabbul izzat hazma daud sahab is mentioning here here we discuss a few true life examples of nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam we must remember that nabi akram sallallahu alaihi wasallam wasn't just sitting on the musalla the whole day without any interaction with people and that's why it was so easy for him not to speak a lie etc and that we have to do business we have to do this we have to do that so so many times in business if a person is a big buyer and the rep comes to him it happens mainly in the supermarkets game he now asks the rep what deal you all gave so and so this is confidential the rep is not supposed to, allowed to by the company to show that but this person now puts pressure on him and the rep also thinks that this client is raziq he forgets that allah taala is raziq so now he discloses it you promise you won't tell the lies i showed you this hmm? that's what he will say so if that person is not going to tell the bosses then why does he want to see it if he is not going to phone the company and fight because he is getting it at a higher prices then why does he want to see it and the poor rep gets involved and everybody else also gets involved all because of lies what doesn't concern us must not worry us that's a very important point what doesn't concern us must not worry us we must carry on with our work sometimes when it comes to marriage situations so many promises are made by both the families and when the marriage takes place then all the promises are forgotten sometimes in an employer employee situation the employer makes half a dozen promises to the employee like no you can start on this and after one or two months we will sort it out your salary is so much the one two months don't worry we give you increase and if the employee asks questions during the interview no no we will sort all that out the bichara poor person he carries on there for 10 years and he's still waiting for things to get sorted out hmm? so all of this is just speaking lies sometimes we lie to our children we promise them certain things you do well here i'll do that for you and then we don't live up to our promise and we just take it lightly because it's our child what can the child do child can't even ask for it again and if the child asks then we'll say ba you living here no rent you're not contributing to food nothing you're still making high high demands there's no demands what you have promised hmm? 
Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam was in all these situations. He was in a married situation, not just with one wife. In Medina Sharif, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam at one time had nine wives. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was not lying to any of his wives. So many women who are second wives, this is their cry. Why did you lie? Why do you lie? If you went out with that wife, why come and lie to me that you didn't go anywhere? If you were sick, it was my turn. You were supposed to come to my house. Now you took that wife and you were out of town. Now when you come back to me, you lie to me. No, I was sick. That's why I didn't come. Why lie? Speak the truth. Be honest. If a child doesn't come to madrasa, then the child, they say the child was sick. When you ask the child, where were you? He says, we were doing eat shopping. Children are innocent. They'll always speak the truth. So khair, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam was in all these situations, but he never ever spoke a lie. Here are some incidents. When Fath Makkah, the conquest of Makkah took place, Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam had given amnesty and open pardon to all the people. He said that whoever enters the Haram Sharif, he will be safe. No one will harm him. Whoever enters their homes and closes their doors won't be harmed. Whoever enters the house of Abu Sufyan, he won't be harmed. But there were a few people who had really troubled the Muslims and these people were real fitna makers. So Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam had given instructions to the Sahaba Ridwanullah that they must find these people and slay them. Wherever you find them, kill them. Even if they are holding on to the Kaaba Sharif, they must be removed from there and they must be slain for the crimes that they have committed. Remember this was a uh, a rule exempted from the general rule. There was one such person by the name of Abdullah bin Sa'ad. He knew that he wasn't going to be pardoned because of all the terrible things that he had done to the Muslims. He went into hiding and slowly he came to Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala. He knew Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu was a very soft-hearted person. So he came to Hazrat Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu and he said, I want to become Muslim. You give me protection. Take me under your protection. Because once you, once I am under the, once you are under the protection of a Muslim, nobody can touch you. In a Muslim country, any Muslim can give another Muslim person protection. And once you have given that person protection, that's a very sanctified thing. Nobody will harm him. So he told Sayyidina Uthman radiallahu ta'ala anhu that he must take him under his protection and then take him to Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam as he would rather become a Muslim. So he was taken to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He extended his hands and he told Nabi Kareem sallallahu alayhi wasallam that he wants to take Ba'at and become a Muslim. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam turned away from him because such great, great harm he had caused to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And not once, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam did this three times. Three times he came forward and each time Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam turned away from him. On the fourth time, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam took his hand, made him Muslim and sent him away. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam told the Sahaba, radiallahu ta'ala anhumajma'een, when you all saw that I'm turning away from this person, why didn't any one of you slay him? I've given instructions for these certain people to be slain. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam knew the reason why they had to be slain. These were people of fitna, mischief mongers. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam told the Sahaba that when you saw me not extending my hands towards him, I turned away from him on three occasions. Why didn't you slay him? So one of the Sahaba Ridwanullah said, Ya Rasulullah, 
Why didn't you make one sign to us, indicating to us, then we would have known what you had wanted. And this is where Sidq comes in. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, how can I as a Nabi have treacherous eyes? In other words, this man came to take ba'ad through being divinely informed. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was not giving him ba'ad. But Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam cannot make doka, cannot make treachery. He cannot be untrue to him. So this is where Sidq comes in, truthfulness. Even in that kind of a situation, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would not be treacherous. He would not do anything that was close to deceiving a person through some form. Hmm? So, now think in our situation. Immediately we'll make some wink or just, you know, give some sign, put our hands over our neck, finish him up. Khair, inshallah, let's take a quick break and then inshallah we will continue with an incident of Sulah Hudaybiyah, inshallah. You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to the program Tasawwuf. Uh, we're coming to you live from Musalla Yunus in Panorama, Cape Town. Alhamdulillah, this evening we are discussing Sidq and truthfulness and we're looking at various different examples from the life of Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that display even in difficult times, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam always opted for honesty. So the incident that we have already discussed was from Fathi Makkah and we go on to another incident of Sulah Hudaybiyah, the Treaty of Hudaybiyah. This treaty was signed between the Muslims and the Mushrikeen in the sixth year after Hijrah. One of the clauses in the treaty was that any Muslim who manages to escape from Makkah Sharif and comes to Medina Sharif, after the treaty is signed, he will have to be sent back to Makkah Sharif. So outwardly it looks like he's against the Muslims. Any person, Muslim, who escapes because of the persecutions and the torture that was taking place, he escapes Makkah Mukarramah and comes to Medina Sharif, then he will have to be sent back to Makkah Mukarramah. And if any person from Medina Sharif wants to abscond and go back to Makkah Mukarramah, then the Quraysh will not send him back. So this was a clause in the treaty. It was signed, sealed, agreed upon. Later on, one Sahabi manages to come to Medina Sharif. Now see the test. See the test. So the rule is that this person has to be returned to Makkah Mukarramah. So they were being tortured there and he manages to escape to Medina Sharif. As soon as the Quraysh got wind that this person had escaped, they sent two people to track and find him. So they had seen this, that this person is gone straight to Medina Sharif. They also went to Medina Sharif. They came to Nabi Kareem Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they said, Ya Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we have come to fetch this person. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam immediately hands him over. It's the treaty. He is a Muslim, but we have entered into a treaty. Hmm? There is no question of hiding him or saying that he didn't come here. Nothing of the sort. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam immediately hands him over. Now this person is going back with these two. And on the way back, they camp at a certain place. So the Sahabi tells the one Mushrik, you've got a wonderful sword, beautiful. I've never seen such workmanship on a sword before. So that Mushrik tells him, yes, you better look properly because if you try anything, then the sword will behead you. So he tells that person, do you mind if I just have a look at it? 
just to feel the wonderful sword. So the mushrik gave the Muslim the sword. He took the sword and he took off that fellow's head. The other mushrik sees this and he starts running. But where does he go to now? He runs to Medina Sharif. He went to Medina Sharif and he told Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what had happened. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam sees the sahabi is also coming behind. So Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tells that sahabi that you are going to ignite a war. We have entered into a treaty, but by your actions, you are now going to ignite a war. That sahabi tells Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Ya Rasulallah, I came here, you sent me back, you fulfilled your side of the treaty. They couldn't take me back, and that is not your fault. So if this person wants to take me back, I will go back with him. He's not going to take you back alone. So it's a very long story, but the point is that the truthfulness of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that when the Sahabi came, he didn't hide him when they came to fetch him. He handed him over even the second round too. When he came, they could have made a story, they could have finished the other mushrik off. He's an enemy of Islam. They could have said, you stayed here, we don't know anything, we don't know what happened, or nobody came here. So many excuses could have come about. Hmm? Were there satellites and newspaper reporters, cell phones, internet, and all that to get the message across as to what exactly happened? All these things were happening in the desert. But no, Allah Ta'ala is watching. We entered into a treaty. We must be true to our words. So Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam never allowed that Sahabi to stay in Medina Sharif and he sent him away. Another incident we all know of is the Battle of Badr. When Nabi Karim Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam left Medina Sharif, there was no intention of engaging in a war or in a battle. They left Medina Sharif to go and intercept a caravan. This is why they were not even well equipped. They were not ready to go into battle. And then it turned out that they had to face an army of 1,000 well equipped soldiers. How many were there? 313 ill-equipped men. So while these two armies were getting their stuff straight and they were getting ready for the battle, there were two Muslims who were totally unaware that this was happening. They did not know what was going on and they were coming from the Syrian side. They were going towards Medina Sharif and they walked straight into the Quraysh army as they did not know that there was going to be a war that was taking place. So the Quraysh captured them. They told the Quraysh that, look, we didn't know that there is a war happening here. And we have nothing to do this war. And we don't even know what is going on. We are coming from Syria. So the Quraysh told them, okay, fine. If that is the case, we will release you, but on one condition. You will not assist the Muslims against us. And you won't take part in the battle. So they agreed that they won't take part in the battle and the kuffar released them. Now when they went to the Muslim side and they informed Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wa sallam what had happened, then they told Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that Ya Rasulallah, we just said it, you know, kali kali, but we are ready to take part in the battle. We just told them this so that they would release us, but now we need to take part in this battle. Imagine, it's such an illustrious battle. It's the history in the making. It is the first battle of Islam. And the Muslims are few in number. They don't have much armory. So at that time, any form of assistance, any form of assistance would have been welcomed. But Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he tells these two sahaba, 
that you all gave your word to those people that you won't fight. Didn't you say this? Gee. So now go away to Medina Sharif. Don't fight. Imagine in what situations those are your enemies. You're going to fight in a battle. You may end up killing those people. You may, they may end up killing you. But Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam's priority is not speaking a lie to them. And so he sent those Sahaba, Ridwanullahi Ta'ala Alayhi Majma'een, Radiallahu Anhuma, away. So sometimes speaking truth is a bitter pill. Speak the truth even though it may be bitter. It's a bitter pill to swallow. Always speak the truth. We will take one more example of business and then conclude. Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam had a certain deal with one person. That person had to give Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam something. So he tells Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam, you meet me here. He gave Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam a time and a place. You meet me here, certain time, certain place, and I will hand it over to you. After three days, this person is walking past there and he sees Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam standing there on that spot. And then he recalls, I forgot. Now this was even before Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was informed that he was going to be the Nabi of Allah. Hmm? This is before Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam was informed that he was going to be the Nabi of Allah. Now he recalls that he made a meeting with Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So he comes and he's apologetic and he says, you know, it totally slipped my mind that I told you I'm going to meet you here tomorrow, this time. And per chance, I was going past and I saw you standing there. Now I remembered. No shouting, no squealing, nothing. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam only tells him, you know, I have waited here for you for three days. Ya Allah. Three days. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam waited there for that person to come back because that person, his zaban, that he will meet him there. Nabi sallallahu gave him his he had given Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam his zuban, his word, that he would meet him there. He would only go if he needed to relieve himself or something necessary and then come back and wait there. Three days. No! You know, we had a meeting. What's wrong with you? You make me... Bye. Forget three days. Person come five minutes late. <laughs> what we'll do to him? We'll slaughter him. We'll make kurbani. Same time. Hmm? Ma Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha had employed Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam before marriage. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to sell goods on her behalf. She gave him the goods, he sold it and brought back her money. She paid Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam what was due to him. This was before Nubuwat. Ma Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha was a widow and an elderly person and she needed somebody she was a wealthy businesswoman and she needed somebody reliable and trustworthy. When she heard about Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and people are calling him Al-Ameen, they are saying that he is the most trustworthy businessman. So she calls Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and enters into a contract with Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. She handed her goods over to him and also sent her slave Maysara to accompany Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Maysara goes with Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam on a trade caravan. And when he comes back, Maysara says to Ma Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha that we've never made profit ever before like we made on this trip. And then he explained to Ma Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha the honesty of Nabi Karim sallallahu alayhi wasallam in his whole dealings. How saf, how clean his dealings were, even in business. 
Ya Allah, Ya Allah. So many, so many examples that our Kabirin have shared with us. Let's continue. This is why we find that Sahaba Ridwanullah also later on, just a few of them went to China as businessmen and traders. And after a while, the Chinese businessmen went to the emperor and complained that these people must be banned from doing business in our country because everyone is only buying from them and not buying from us. So we think now maybe some xenophobic, whatever, whatever. The emperor summons them and said, look, we are not cutting anyone's prices. We are not doing anything like that. But if there is a defect in the commodity, we show it to the customer. If a customer buys something from us and they need to return it, we gladly accept it and refund their monies. So, it was due to their honesty in their business that caused people to flock to them. People wanted to do business with them. They were just a handful of Sahaba who went to China, but Islam spread in China due to the honesty of those Muslim traders. You know, there's so much, and time doesn't permit, just to speak about civic honesty in our trade. Sidh, honesty in our trade. So, you know, I don't know if it still exists, but when before, when people used to sell cars, they had this term, footstuts. So my understanding of footstuts is you buy the car as it is. So one is fine, no problem. You can say footstuts, that you're buying it as, in, as it is. But if you are aware that, listen, there's an oil leak, the gearbox is in Sakrat now, then it's your duty to inform the purchaser that, listen, footstuts, and I'm just telling you, there's an oil leak. You need to sort out the oil leak. I'm just telling you, you know, sometimes, ajeeb, ajeeb, la ilaha illallah. Layman, for a layman like myself, when you're buying a car, it's very difficult sometimes to tell whether that car has been in an accident or not. So I've learned now over the years, but I still ask, any accident damage? And a person will tell you, I can swear on my mother, swear on the grave, no accident. When you take it to the dealer, the dealer now has got an eye for these type of things. They tell you, hey, Monana, just be careful. Some paintwork that's been done here on the bonnet. Open the bonnet. You can see now parts have been replaced and all that. Definitely this guy has been in some prank, some accident. So, you know, and the person knows about it. Not that he doesn't know. He knows. He knows. But it's just to make that sale. Just to make that sale. Never mind. You know, and that is what spoils relationships. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, in sidq yunji wal kithba yuhlik. Sidq, honesty will always give you success and lies will ultimately destroy you. It will destroy that relationship because now, you know, sometimes a per person is putting his entire savings in one something reliable. Buys the car after one week, the car packs up. No, it's not my problem. You bought the car. You bought the car. You bought the car. And the seller is well aware that, you know what, this engine, Baba, they're not going to take you, forget A to B, it's not even going to take you quarter way. Hmm? It's not even going to take you. But because that greed has entered the heart, and because... We are thriving on making that extra rand, that extra buck. So that's why we don't care. Don't care. Look at Sahaba Ikram. This is why Islam spread in China. Is mentioning this here. It's because they were honest. 
They didn't want to deceive any person. They didn't want to make stories. No, this is it, this is the facts, khalas. You go and buy anything in the shop. No, you won't find my quality, my quality. You know, today everything is A grade fake and double A grade fake and triple A grade fake. No more original. No more original. But Ajib, how they will sell it to you, you know? They'll put, today everything is Chinese. Huh? Everything you buy is Chinese. That's why it don't last also. But you know now you're buying a Chinese product, but at least the thing must, it must give you some service. It's people's hard-earned sweat and money. Muslims to be very, very careful when we are dealing with business, you know. Also part of honesty, I mentioned this here many, many times before in the Masajid, advertising, for instance, one garment or whatever it is that you're selling in one commodity, 15.95, all right? So the person gives you 20 rand note. The product that you are buying is 15 rand 95. So work out how much change, four and five cents. Four rand they'll give, five cents. Now there's no more five cents. There's no more 10 cents. I don't know if you get the 10 cents anymore. I haven't seen it for a while. But are you not owing that person that five cents, that 10 cents? whatever it is. So fine, I understand from a marketing point of view, 14.95 sounds better than 15 grand. But the, 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 the reality is, if you cannot pay that five cents, are you not stealing? Are you not being deceitful to the client? Yes, you want to make things look rosier in your business. So you advertise it at 14.95 instead of 15 grand. But you owe that person, you owe that person, 15.95, whatever I gave the example. So truthfulness is something should be the hallmark of a Muslim, no matter what, even if we are going to lose, no problem, but speak the truth. Deal in a correct and appropriate manner, always deal correctly. That's why in today's times, to be in business, it's not easy. It's not easy because it's a big amanat. It's a very, very big amanat. Very big amanat. I don't want to go into the topic of returns and refunds. And that's a separate topic on its own. One day, inshallah, if Allah gives tofik, we can discuss it. But stick with the topic of Sidq. I want to mention one more incident of Hazrat Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani Rahmatullah When he was a young boy and he was going to study, his mother sewed some gold coins into his jacket. So she made like a false pocket and she put the gold coins there <clears throat> as he was still young. Now he's going to study he will need money on that side. And the caravan that they are traveling in got waylaid by some bandits. So they started going to everybody, asking them, what have you got? The crooks come, what you got in your pockets? Put it here in the tali. Everything, put it together. Put it in a bag. So when they came to him and they asked him, do you have anything? He says, yes, I have. So they searched him, but they couldn't find anything because the way the mother had sewn that pocket, she had concealed it. And you won't be able to feel it or see it just so easily. So they asked him, what do you have? He says, I've got some gold coins. They searched him again, again, three times, no gold coins. So they asked him, are you sure you have gold coins? So then he showed them where these gold coins were. They were surprised. That look at this person. We didn't see it. 
And now he is showing it to us. So they call the Amir, you know, the head of the gang. He then spoke to Hazrat Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani Rahmatullah He was a very young boy at that time. He wasn't Sheikh yet. He wasn't the great, illustrious scholar that we know as yet. He was still young. So he said to the robber that when I left home, my mother advised me never to speak a lie. So when your henchmen asked me if I got something, I told them I got something. And that became a means of hidayat for that whole gang. They all made toba, they all made istighfar, and they changed their lives. Now look, this is just an example. Mashaykh, our kabirin, they were on a different level. It doesn't mean now if a robber comes, and you must show him everything. Allah Pak make hifazat of everybody's homes. Whatever you can hide, you can hide. You must not show anything. But this was the sibk of that level that Allah Ta'ala made it a means of hidayat for that entire group. Hmm? Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah it's not so much on truthfulness, but how much they worried that no blemish, no tarnish must come to their reputation. Imam Abu Hanifa rahmatullah was traveling on a ship and whilst he was on a ship he needed to go and relieve himself or something and he made and he had with him a tali, a bag. I think it was like hundred gold coins, dinars. He met one person and so this person looked like a nice Muslim person and he told him, Bye, you can just look after this for me, I will come back and you give it to me. So when he came back, this person returned it to him, alhamdulillah. Now shaitan started making waswasa in that person's mind. He thought, this is my perfect chance to get a hundred dinars. So he went to the captain and he told him, you know what, when I came on the ship, I had a bag with hundred dinars. And he described it perfectly, the color, how it's tied, everything, how the coins are, because he saw everything. And he said, someone stole it from me. So captain made announcement. Did anyone see the bag? And then the captain said, right. I'm going to give the order to the crew that they must search. When they came to Imam Abu Hanifa and they searched him, they didn't find anything. They didn't find his bag on him. That man was waiting for them to come to Imam Sahib as the bag was going to come out. And he was going to get the cash. He was going to cash in on that hundred coins. So when they came to Imam Sahib, they didn't find any coins. So the captain told him that, look, we've searched everybody. You must never bring it. Maybe you never brought it here on the ship. We searched everywhere. Every passenger. Nobody has your bag. Maybe you lost it somewhere else. Story was over. After this, this person went to Imam Sahib and he says that, listen, I know you have the bag. Where is the bag? What did you do with the bag? Imam Sahib said, listen, I threw it over. I threw it overboard. I threw it in the ocean. My reputation is more important than gold coins. Immediately a blemish would come onto Imam Sahib's name. No matter how many times, how many qasams he would have taken and told them that he is mine, He's speaking lies in the mind of the passengers. Immediately blemish would have come on his name. So what did he do? He threw it overboard. He rather lose the gold coins. Hmm? So this is a mu'min. A believer doesn't allow for these type of things and blemishes and tarnishes to come on the name on his life. Especially the speaking of lies. He must totally abstain from this. And we must teach our children and our wives that we must totally abstain from any type of lies. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant me tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant you tawfiq. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant the entire ummah tawfiq. That in every breath of our life, we only speak that which is truthful. Jazakumullahu khayran for joining us. Inshallah, next week. 
we will discuss the next topic inshallah and that will be of sabr and patience allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all tawfiq subhanallah wa bihamdi subhanak allahumma wa bihamdik nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh